0: Father, I would pray in your grace in this moment right now, oh Lord, that you would help us to see your word. Help us to see it clearly. God, use me, a, a frail instrument. God, who, who tries to study and present this truth in a, in a simple, easy to fall way. Um, Lord, would would pray that we would look to Romans and look to Romans 8 and be refreshed by it. God, I pray that it would cause us to live differently today because of the truth of, the, of, of your word. I just thank you for your word as we just go through it week in, week out, how powerful it is and what an effect it can have on all of our lives. So I pray you would would take it and use it for your glory. I'm dependent right now upon the Spirit of God to come. So open our eyes, God, that we may be, behold wonderful things from your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things that I have noticed over the years of pastoring and over the years of noticing and, and seeing people, I, I've noticed a, a general pattern. Not true in every case, of course. That's why I said general. Um, and certainly there are lots of examples that, that prove it to be false. But, but here's, here's a general pattern of life that I've seen. Those who are born, who are born and raised in a loving and grace-filled family, um, in general live a more secure life. Uh, and a more secure life rather than those who are born and raised in a home where, where these things are absent, where, where love is absent and where, where grace is absent. Uh, just those who are, are born in a loving environment of grace, I, I just see as a pattern, are, are less anxious about the future. They are less concerned about what others think about them, more willing to take risks, more eager to get up after a failure. Um, better able to accept criticism because there's a security in their home and they can fall back on that and, and, and everything's not dependent on on up there and it all leads to better better equipped for life they do better in school and, and freed up in many ways to serve others in, in a greater way on the other hand those those who are raised in a home where, where grace and love are absent either by parents being absent through a divorce or maybe workaholism or, or something, or parents that are performance-based in their love towards their children. In such homes, in general, children are, are more insecure. They, they worry more about the future. They, they worry much more about what others think about them, fearful of failure. And they tend to spend more time away from home than they do at home. right, there's lots of exceptions, right, and these are just patterns, but I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Those those who grew up in well-supported, secure, loving, grace-filled homes are are generally happier, more productive, have healthier relationships, and are able to navigate life easier. And and I think one of the big reasons for this is that we all feel a need to be loved. And if we're not getting it at home, we will find it someplace else. Um, But when you know that you're loved at home, you're secure. You don't need to suck love from other people. You're content in your situation in life, but when it's absent, you will find it elsewhere or seek to find it elsewhere. Well, this morning we come to our text. We're not going to talk about parents and kids and grace-filled homes as much as that is good, but we are talking about the love that God displays in the lives of His children and what it produces because there are parallels to a parent's grace-filled, love-supportive atmosphere in the lives of children producing security. And likewise, so also God is one who's loving and gracious towards us, supports us in our life. He is for us, as we read a couple of weeks ago. And it produces a life of security. And And, and we can walk in that way. And the difference between a parent's love for a child and, and God's love for us is, is certainly one of, of holiness, right? Of rights, God parents us perfectly, we, we don't, but it's also one of degree. God's love is infinite in compassion, in comparison with ours, and uh, it creates, by the way, then a far more security that we ought to have than any human love can create. The title of message this morning is, Secure in the Love of Christ. And if you are a, a believer in Jesus Christ today, You can find security and rest in the love of God. So if you haven't done so already, I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to finish today the the great chapter 8. And then the next three Sundays we're going to uh, spend some time on uh, Christmas. I'm going to particularly look at the the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah uh, from Isaiah. We're just going to pull pull some from Isaiah. Um, S kind of has come out of Handel's Messiah, which is a Christmas um, uh, orchestra piece that's often sung, opera, I'm not even sure what you'd, you'd call it. What, what do you call? What do you call Handel's Messiah, Yvonne? What, what kind of genre? An oratorio. Okay. So pulling from the oratory of the Christmas time, just thinking about Old Testament text from Isaiah that we'll be looking at the next couple of weeks. But this morning we finished chapter 8, so chapter 9 is going to hang for a time, for a month or so. I'm excited about getting into chapter 9 because it is, it is the bedrock of Romans, right? At the, the heart of what Romans is, is talking about you didn't bring your bible page 945 your pew bible is a great place i really encourage you to open it up look at it there because um, you just see that my thoughts are derived right from there these aren't my own thoughts these are thoughts that come come right from there so i want to read our text romans eight thirty-nine, thirty-five 35 through 39 who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written I trust you can see how I derive my title, my message this morning. Because on two occasions, Paul speaks about the security that we have in the love of God. The impossibility of being separated from the love of Christ. You can see it right there in verse 35. We read, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And of course, that's a, a rhetorical question, which means the answer is easy. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is nobody. And then the other statement is, is found in verse 38 39. It's kind of a longer statement. It's kind of chopped up and all, but, but you can see it there. Um, I am sure that neither death, nor this, nor this, nor this, nor this, nor this, nor, the, nor this, will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Nobody and nothing. Those two words, by the way, will, you'll see in my, my outline this morning. Um, but that's why I've entitled my, my message, Secure in the Love of Christ. That's what the text is talking about. Nobody can separate us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And this, by the way, ought to make a difference in the way we live. If we're secure in God's love. And and by the way, this is Christ's love for us. It's not our love to God. See, because our security, if you try to wrap your security up into how faithful you are loving Jesus and how faithful you are loving God, you won't be very secure in your walk at all because if you're anything like me right your your love for the lord goes up and down now certainly over the years i i hope it, it, it goes up but just for like my uh, love for my family for my wife and my kids it goes up and down and certainly over time as i know them better it certainly go, goes up but it's like the stock market you know there are the dips and hills and and if your security is based upon your love you won't be secure but here's the good news this morning paul isn't talking about our love for god Finding our security and how much we love Him. No, it's in Christ's love for us. He's talking about the love that God has toward us in giving us His Son. Right? Verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? He's talking about God loving us to give us His Son. He's talking about God justifying us, verse 33. He's talking about how God continually, Christ does, intercedes for us, verse 34. This is all what, what God is doing for us. He is for us, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? And nothing will ever inhibit or prevent Christ's love towards us. It is firm and secure. So church family, I say, rest in that. Charles Hodge said this. said, The great difficulty with many Christians is that they cannot persuade themselves that Christ or God loves them. So you think about even what he said, the greatest difficulty among Christians, among many Christians is that they cannot persuade themselves that Christ or God loves them. Because I, I believe this, if we understand and, and are convinced of this, it will help in our life. Hodge continues. And the reason why they cannot feel confidence in the love of God is that they know that they do not deserve His love. On the contrary, that they are in the highest degree unlovely. How can this infinitely pure... God love those who are defiled with sin, who are proud and selfish, discontented, ungrateful and disobedient. This indeed is hard to believe, but it's the very thing we're required to believe. <clears throat> Not only as the condition of peace and hope, but it's a condition of salvation. If our hope of God's mercy and love is founded on our own goodness or attractiveness, it is a false hope, he says. We must believe that his love is gratuitous, mysterious, without any known or conceivable cause, certainly without the cause of loveliness in its object. That is, in short, what is often declared in the Bible, analogous to the love of a parent for his child. A father and mother's love is independent of the attractiveness of its object and often is um, in spite of its deformity. So, so, so what he's saying is that we're required to believe. The love that God has for us. Not only for the gospel, right? That God loves us not because of what we are, but because we are. And we can be secure in that. And my message this morning is really a compliment to my message last week, which I entitled Secure in the Work of Christ. That's because verses 31 through 34 are talking about the objective work that Jesus did. His, his sacrifice on the cross his justifying us. His, his present work of intercession. And these are objective realities. You can look at this and say, this is what Jesus did. He, he died on the cross for our sins. And our security is based on the work of Christ, on what it is that we can claim. We're able to come before the Lord and say, look, Lord, look at the cross and look at what Jesus did for me. He, he died for my sins according to the scriptures and, and, and what he did, I can be secure in that because we have an objective argument. But this morning, we aren't dealing with objective realities. We're, we're dealing with subjective realities. That is, with feelings and attitudes and dispositions. And his disposition towards us is one of love. Last week, we looked at the actions that God did for us and the work of Christ. Today, we look at God's attitudes in the love of Christ. Do you know that Christians are loved by God? When Paul introduced Romans, look at what he said in Romans chapter one, verse eight: "To all who are in Rome, who are loved by God." That's right. So when he thought about those in Rome, what did he think about first? He thought how they were loved by God. This is God's disposition towards all who believe that that He loves us. He is for us, and that's how we can be secure. See, the Lord doesn't sit in the sky like a, a police officer, right, making to sure we do everything right and stopping us when we do something wrong. Nor is the Lord a drill sergeant in our face, breaking us down, trying to find any sort of fault so that we lose sense of self and gain sense of nationality. He isn't a dictator, right, demanding perfect obedience in every way otherwise, right, threatened with death. Rather, the Lord is like a parent, loves us and cares for us and has our best in mind it's not conditional in any way god doesn't love us more in our good days and he doesn't love us less on our bad days his love toward us is always fresh it's always abundant lamentations 3 22 and 23 the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness i say church family you're loved you are loved by god far greater than anyone on earth loves you that's pastor spouse brother sister friend god's love is greater not only is it greater in magnitude it's also greater in duration Listen to what the Lord told Jeremiah. And what's true of Jeremiah is true of us. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And God's love for Jeremiah is just an example of his love for all of us. I've loved you with an everlasting love. To love just beyond our life is what he's saying. It, it goes before our life and it will extend after our lives. And this is exactly what Paul was getting at a couple of weeks ago when we were looking at verses 29 and 30. I called the unbreakable chain of salvation that those whom he foreknew are the ones he predestined and are the ones he called, are the ones he justified and are the ones that he glorified. And see God God's love for us began in eternity past and will continue through eternity future. And catch this, his love for us came before we did anything good or bad. As we get to Romans chapter 9, we will see that because that's exactly how God's election came with Jacob and Esau. Verse 11, though they were not yet born, and it did nothing, either good or bad, but in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because it works, but because of his, He who calls, He was told, the older will serve the younger. as it's written, Jacob, I loved and Esau I hated. In fact, it has to be before we did anything good or bad, not foreseen good or bad. It has to be in God's grace from before time because that, that's, what, that's what his love is. That's how we were loved by Christ. We have been loved by Christ. We are loved by Christ. We will be loved by Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved of God. I could say that to Rock Valley Bible Church as well. To all at Rock Valley Bible Church loved by God. And Paul shows us one way in which he's demonstrated his love towards us in Romans 5 verse 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, many parents in raising their children, raise their children with conditional love. Right? If their child does well in school... Conditional love, financial reward maybe comes. If their child gets a lead role in the play, they they receive praise and adulation. If their child lands a spot on the athletic team and especially does really well, they get all sorts of privileges at home that they wouldn't have had before. Sometimes children are compared, some are more favored than others, some are the black sheep of the family. But it's all, it's all about right comparing, right? And I, and I love this one better because there's something intrinsically... But that's not how God loves. God loves us even when we were sinners is how He showed His love towards us. It's not conditional. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says it was when we were bad that He died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He chased through that context there. It says that even in verse 10, while we we're enemies is when Christ died for us. So, so see, God's love towards us isn't because of what we're good at or, or, or some benefit in us. In fact, if anything, it's because we aren't good. And, and, and listen to this, right? If God loved you when you were your worst, know that there's nothing more that you will do today to cause him to love you any less. And all that right, has a way of making you secure in the love of Christ. I have two points this morning. Nobody and nothing. Nobody will separate us from His love, and nothing will separate us from His love. Now, just a comment. These are general. There's some spillover, right? There's some nothings come up into the nobodies, and there's some nobodies going into the, the nothings. But in general, I just got some points, so we'll... We'll work through this. Nobody will separate us from His love. That's what Paul's getting at in verse 35. Look at it there. He says this. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And Paul's question here is, 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 is focusing on others, who shall separate us? That's a person term. That's why I, I, I put this point here, is nobody will separate us. It, it revolves around others who, who might do something to pull us away from the love that Christ has for us. And Paul says it's impossible. Nobody can pull you away from the love of God that's in Christ. I love the story of John Chrysostom, the golden mouth preacher who lived in the 4th century. Here's what he said. When when he was brought before a Roman emperor, the emperor threatened him with banishment for being a Christian. Here's what Chrysostom said. He said, you cannot banish me from this world For this world is my father's house. And so the emperor said, But I will slay you. And Chrysostom replied, You cannot. For my life is hid with Christ in God. Will I take away your treasures? And Chrysostom said, You cannot. My treasure is in heaven. And that's where my heart is as well. But I will drive you away from man. And you shall have no friend left. You cannot. For I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you, emperor, for there's nothing that you can do to hurt me. And, and so think about it. What does that, that cause about the security of Chrysostom's life? He doesn't have to right, schmooze up to the, the emperor. He's ready to take anything. He, so this allows you, when you're secure in the love of Christ, is to walk in the path of obedience and trusting in the Lord. For the consequences. See, because when, when there's nothing that anybody can do to separate us from his, his love, there's no reason then for us to deviate at all from obedience to the Lord. And, and in verse 35, Paul then proceeds with examples of, of what others might do to uh, separate us from the love of, of Christ. And again, there's some things in here as well, right? But tribulation or distress... Or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, right? Will any of these things separate us? Right? People persecuting us. People causing um, tribulation, causing hardness for us. People in general causing famine, or or, or, or nakedness, right? Being without, or or in danger from other people, or in danger of the sword. Danger of being killed. Can, Can any of these things separate us from the love of God that's in Christ? Absolutely not. And what is interesting about this is that Paul experienced every single one of these things. Paul knew tribulation. And he faced distress. He experienced persecution and faced famine and nakedness and danger and sword. He faced them all. He died a martyr's death. In his ministry to others, he was in danger. He was on a ship, right? The shipwrecked. There are times nakedness. It just speaks about being without he went without many times. He, he went without uh, food, famine. He did that because he said in Philippians 4, I, I, I've been with a lot, I've been with little, I've learned how to be content. He, he's been without those things. He certainly faced persecution. When you read the book of Acts, every time he went into a city, they persecuted him and stoned him and left him for dead even one time. But they, but they got him out. And he was certainly in, in distress, hardships all around, toils within and tribulation. He even warned those in... Um, um, I, I think it was in Galatian region, Antioch, be city in Antioch, he, he said that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And so he himself knew tribulations and, and hardship. In 2 Corinthians 11, he put forth the troubles of all that he faced in Christ. He talked about imprisonments. He talked about countless beatings. You, you think if you're beaten, you could count those? <laughs> but Countless beatings. He, he, he'd forgotten. And often near death. L- listen to what he says. He says, 5 times I received at the hand of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. 3 times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. 3 times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift in the sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And Paul experienced all of that. And he said, through all that, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nobody. And, and he could have said, he could have expanded here and he says, I've faced them all. And I've had not, nobody has taken me away from the love that's God in Christ. Christ was sweet to his soul, I'm sure, sustained through these times of difficulty. And, church family, I just know that Paul's experience can be your experience as well. What Paul experienced, and through the, the difficulties and hardships of life, the faithful love of Christ. That's there can be yours as well. And so when going through your darkest of times, know this, that the love of Christ has not departed from you. He will sustain you through the the deepest of times. Isn't it interesting that when, when Paul tries to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, he doesn't immediately go and says all is bliss. He goes to the worst things of life that often cause people to doubt the existence of God, doubt God's love. And yet he says, this is the lot of all who follow Christ. This, this is not anything unique. In fact, this has often been the experience of God's people throughout all the ages. That's why he quotes from the Old Testament. <clears throat> he quotes from uh, Psalm 44 and verse 22. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. A quotation from Psalm 44 verse 22. You can read that at home if you want. It's a, it's a good psalm. It's a, all the psalms are good, of course, right? And it's, a, it's one in which people are experiencing hardship and difficulty. And, and, and particularly, the nation was defeated. The, they were scattered among the nations. They had little power. They were mocked. And things were so bad that they could say this, For your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So think about sheep to be slaughtered. What does that mean? It means they're out there in the pasture and they're just kind of being plucked off. One by one. Or maybe herded through a stall somehow. They're going to the slaughterhouse and they're going to be systematically killed. This is systematic genocide. It could hardly be more bleak. But the psalmist knew that God's love for the nation of Israel was great. Psalm 44 begins with a rehearsal about all the good things that God had done for Israel. Listen list now begins. The first eight verses. Psalm 44. O oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days of old. And with your own hand you drove out nations, but them you planted, you afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arms save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your face for you delighted in them. In other words, right? Just talking about about God being with Israel to conquer the land. God, you have favored us and we have conquered. He says, you are my king, O God, ordained salvation for Jacob. And through you, we push down our foes. And through your name, we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually. We will give thanks to your name forever. So here are people who are walking rightly with the Lord saying that, yes, we conquered, but it wasn't us. It was all God and it was all his help and power that did it. We're not trusting in chariots and horses, but we're trusting in the name of the Lord our God. But there's the turn there in Psalm 44. Things aren't going so well. And, and you can read it. Um, I'm not going to take the time this morning. But here's the key of Psalm 44. Rather than forsaking the Lord, when they, they were lining up to be slaughtered and when they're being persecuted by other nations and it seemed like the love of God was gone from them and they had every reason to question, they sought the Lord. So rather than forsaking the Lord, they sought the Lord. Listen to the last two verses of the psalm for our soul is bowed down to the dust our belly clings to the ground rise up and come to our help redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love rise up come and help redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love right in other words there's there's terrible hardship and trial but and they don't understand why but they haven't lost faith in the steadfast love of the lord they said we're in trouble nowhere else to turn but we know you love us, so rise up for the sake of your steadfast love. And I just say, that's a model for us. When hardship comes upon our lives, it, it, it can often cause doubt. I mean, why is it that people doubt God? or, or God? It's because troubles, because of sin in life. They say, well, if God really, right, things haven't turned well for me, right? And oftentimes, p- things turn sour maybe for people. Things haven't gone well. And um, people say, well, I'm going to ditch that God. It didn't help me very much. Look at what kind of life I'm living. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says you believe and trust. God's love is there. You may not see it. You may not know it. It may be far from you like it was in, in Psalm 44. But don't, don't let it doubt because the whole point of Paul's here is that you are secure in the love of Christ. And when going through time of difficulty, and maybe others mocking you for your faith, and maybe when the finances coming in aren't matching the obligations going out, when maybe family members are hospitalized or sickness comes along or some life-debilitating, horrific accident takes place. How easy is it to doubt God's love for us? And yet Paul, even here, just when he speaks about how firm we are in the love of Christ, brings forth bad things. We can still be secure in those bad things. We might easily think in the bad things that God has abandoned us but Paul says that's not the case. It, it's in these times that the, the love of Christ is present. Are you familiar with that, uh, that poem, Footprints? I'm not going to read it for you now, right? But how many of you familiar with that? Yeah, most all of you, right? We're walking along the sand, two, two footprints. And, but then there's only one. And, and, and then there are two again. And, and the writer says, Lord, those are my most difficult times in life. And uh, as the poem goes, it's because that's the time Christ was carrying us. And so maybe through the difficulties and trials, the love of Christ is there. He is carrying you through your trials, even though you don't see it or know it. And I just say, pray the, pray the prayer of the last verse of Psalm 44. Rise up, O Lord, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. That's what Paul says. Through all these different difficult things, Christ is able to sustain us. In fact, it's not just sustaining. It's not just status quo. He says that we can overcome. We can be conquerors, as it says in verse 37. Look at there. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Right. I want to pick this part of verse by looking at three things. First, just uh, notice that it's in the trial that we overcome. In all these things... See, it's not after the trial. It's not by sidestepping the hardships. It's not by by dodging the hurricanes or earthquakes or the the troubles that come along the way. It's not by dodging. It's it's through the trials that we overcome. It's in these things we are victorious. That's why James tells us to count it all joy when you encounter trials. Because you know the love of Christ is, is with us in the midst of our trials. God has not forsaken us or abandoned us. Second observation, Paul says that we are more than conquerors. He says that we conquer. I love the, the Greek word for here. You guys know what the Greek word for conqueror is or overcomer? Who knows? What is it? Avon? what is it? Nike, here we go. There's the, there's the swoosh. And there's a reason why Nike named themselves Nike, because the Greek word means victorious. It means conquer. It means success, right? And you put on your Air Jordans, and you feel like you can take the world. Now, at 50, I'm realizing I can't take the world anymore, right? But, but you put those on, and it gives you a jump to your step, because you can conquer. And that's what that's what Paul is saying here, That that we can be victorious. We're not just get the status quo, but the love of Christ is such that we can conquer victoriously over these things, but... He even says that we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors is, is the one word. We are super conquerors. So we're not just going to barely squeak by. We are going to, we're going to blow out the competition when it comes. That's how strong the love of, of Christ is. And, and any lack of that often is a lack of, of faith, I believe. And Paul says in Philippians 4, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is the athletic verse. But it doesn't mean I can win all the time. What it means is, right, come come success or come down or uh, I've got much, I've got plenty, I'm in difficulty, I'm in hardship. Listen, I can endure it all through Christ who strengthens me. That's what that verse is saying. Is that despite what comes, I know that Christ is going to give me the power and in in our text today, right, it's the love that's going to be there. I can walk securely and overcome aboundingly through this trial. And how? How? It's my, my third observation that our, our victory comes through the love of Christ. Look again at verse thirty seven. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So see, when the, the trials and hardships come, right? Don't forsake the Lord because He's your path out. He, he's your path that's going to help and sustain you through your, your difficulties. Seek Him. The strong and firm faith in a love for him. The hymn writer said this. Thy love to me, O Christ. Thy love to me. Not mine to thee, I plead. Not mine to thee. This is my comfort strong. This is my joyful song. Thy love to me. Thy love to me. That's where you're going to find your strength. And being secure in that love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. Well, let's move to our, our last point. We'll be quick on this. It's kind of more of the same. Not only will nobody separate us from the love of God in Christ, but nothing will separate us from His love. I am sure, Paul writes, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we've almost been been talking about this a lot, right? There's nothing that can separate us. It's really a simple restatement to Paul's main point here, that we are secure in the love of Christ. Nothing will be able to separate us from that. And in these verses, you want to dissect them and analyze them a little bit. We see four pairs of items that that span the scope of how strong God's love is. So there's this death-life pair. There is this angel's principalities. There's this present-future pair. There is this height or depth pair. So let's, just, let's just think about those a little bit. Neither death nor life. This talks about our being, our existence. That, that whether we live here on the earth or, or whether we die and beyond our earthly life, God's Love, the love of Christ, is spanning that gulf. It's not like the love of Christ only happens while we live. It's not like the love of Christ only happens when we die. But in this life and the next, Christ's love will still be with us. That, that talks about just the time of what we experience in our being. The next pair, angels and principalities. Now these are, are talking about angels, the principalities, um, you know, that, that may be demons, maybe another category of angels. He's just talking about spirit beings. So I said nothing, maybe this is nobody, but spirit beings, the, the, the most powerful, whatever. See, because the beings in the world, that God is in the world, and there are angels. are our, our spiritual beings. Who God deals differently with us than he does with them. With us, he, he gives grace, and He he died. Jesus came and died for us, but angels, they are either righteous or not. They either chose to follow God, or chose not to, and so there's a, a duality. There are, there are angels that have chosen the path of holiness, and right, just, and they serve God all the day long. They are they are right with God. They they fly around the the throne, right, the cherubim and the seraphim, with saying, "Holy, holy, holy, is the Lord God the Almighty, who was and is and is to come." And then there are the the fallen angels, if you will, and, and the devil is one of these fallen angels, all under the sovereignty of God. But these are the beings in the universe. There's there's God. There are these angels. There's humans, right, and then there's the rest of of creation and these spirit beings whether it's angels in a subcategory of angels and demons they can't even separate us from the love of God there's nothing the devil can do to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus there's nothing that can be done to separate you to tempt you away to pull you away so so our whole existence in our life the other worldly beings as powerful as they are or or even time nor Things present, nor things to come, that is things, like, like whatever, whatever there are things now, stuff going on now, whether that's politics, right, right? whether that's war that's coming up, or, or whether that's difficulty, you have conflict in your neighborhood, or, or whether it's um, whatever, anything now, just all the, all the things we deal with in life, there's nothing here that can separate you from the love of Christ, or, or things to come, Right? And particularly here, this is talking all about believers in Jesus, right? So it's talking about things in heaven. We're in heaven. We are secure in heaven. We are secure with God. Christ's love isn't just for now. It will be forever and eternity. So, so whether it's our being here, the afterlife, or whether it's the spirit beings, or whether it's time, or, or whether it's space, neither height nor depth. In other words, right, you, you go up to Mount Everest or you go down to Death Valley, wherever you are, as high as you go, even as you go into the heavens, even if you travel the moon, or someday we travel to Mars. A Christian believer who gets to walk on Mars someday will not be separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the suboceanic explorer. There's no place on the planet, there's no place in this universe that will ever be able to take us away from the love of God that's in Christ. Those are the pairs. And then there's some some one-offs. Nor powers, verse 38. I don't know why he didn't keep this pairs thing. I don't know, but he just kind of throws powers in there. Again, these are angelic beings. And then last he forgot anything, he says, or anything else in all creation. What could that be? Just start thinking right what what could anything else be in all creation maybe disasters right maybe circumstances maybe ambitions maybe i don't know there's just he just says there's nothing i mean he he, he pulls it all in so if you come up with something i can say yep that can't separate you that can't separate you from the love of christ That can't separate you from his love. That can't separate you. You come up with something, and I'll say, it can't. Well, how how, how should this make us walk? Kind of bring it down to application. How how should this make us walk? And and the whole idea of chapter 8 is our security, right? It begins with there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have any any fear of judgment. But how, how will this make us walk if we're secure in the love of Christ? I think we should be bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion, we should be bold for Jesus because there's nothing that can separate us from His love. We can be wholeheartedly committed to God regardless of the outcome. Uh, let me just give you three examples and, and then we'll close. I, I think about Ruth. You know, Ruth was a Moabitess who married these Israeli boys and they came, these Jewish boys, and then everyone died and it was just Ruth and Naomi and uh, I, I forget his, her sister's name. But anyway, just the three of them, and she went off, and Ruth then clung to Naomi and and said this, don't urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more, if anything but death parts me from you. Naomi just had devotion to the Lord. Just says, I'm Ruth did. I'm just going to go with Naomi. I'm just going with you, wherever you're going. I'm just, whatever God does, I'm going with you. There's a bold decision. It just says from the the the, the pagan um, idol worshiping community, I'm just going to go and I'm going to worship your God. There's a confidence there. Or, or the story of, of Esther. I, I just thought of that one as well. He here you have Esther, and she's a Jew, and she's, she's got in with the, the king's harem and, and become queen, and yet, and yet Mordecai is ready to extinguish all the Jews. Um, and, um, and Esther is, is told, um, not Mordecai, who am I talking about? Haman. Haman is going to extinguish all the Jews. So Mordecai is her uncle, I think, and Mordecai says, you've you got to go talk with the king. Go talk with the king. It's illegal for her to talk with the king. The king might say nope, and she's done. But I think she had this boldness, this trust in the Lord. She said this. She said, Go to Mordecai. She said, Go and gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my young woman also fast you do. And then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Just a boldness, just a trust. Just a silent resolve, and the Lord just says, nothing can separate me from His love. I'm going to go and do this for the sake of His people. And if I perish, I perish. But she knew that wasn't going to separate him, her from the love of God. Or Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar said, I build this image. When you hear the music, you bow down and worship. And these three were faithful to the Lord. And when Nebuchadnezzar commanded them to bow down, they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Here were people confident in the Lord just to say, I'm secure in God's love for me, and I'm just going to follow this way boldly. And they said, well... God can save me, and He might. If He doesn't, He doesn't. But I am sure and convinced I'm not going to bow down to that thing and be unfaithful to the Lord, because it's their faithfulness and their commitment was to the Lord. Just, I think, three examples of, of a boldness that this ought to create in us. So Maybe even think about a boldness to talk with others about Jesus. You're talking a boldness to walk in obedience even when it's unfashionable. Right? Why? Because God has loved us, and, and what do we want to do? But we want to to please Him. So I, I think about the child who, who's raised in a home loving, grace filled, and, and in general, right, doing well in life. What what do they want? Their parents have never done them wrong. Their parents have always shown them grace, always supported. They want to please their parents. In, in, the, in the deep back of their mind, they want to do what's right. They want to put a smile on their face, because they have been gracious to us. And I, and I think also with us as well. We, with God, when we're secure in His love, we can walk faithfully and boldly. I finish with uh, James Montgomery Boyce. He, he wrote a song we sang one a couple weeks ago, How Marvelous, How Wise, How Great, How Infinite to Contemplate Jehovah's Saving Plan. Here's another one he wrote. It's a poem I love on this passage. He says this, What can separate my soul From the God who made me whole Wrote my name on heaven's scroll Nothing. Hallelujah. Trouble, hardship, danger, sword, brought by those who hate my Lord. Slander here or no reward? Nothing. Hallelujah. Angels, demons, now or then. Wickedness dreamed up by men. Persecutions come again? Nothing. Hallelujah. Victors were ordained to be by the god who set us free what can therefore conquer me nothing alleluia we face death for god each day what can pluck us from his way let god's people ever say nothing hallelujah let's pray father i would pray by your grace we would grasp this reality that nothing can separate our soul from the God who made us whole. From the God who wrote our name in heaven's scroll. God, there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. Whether it's danger, hardship, or sword. Brought by those who hate the Lord. There's nothing, oh God, that will separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And I, I pray, God, you would help us to internalize those things, embrace those things, to walk and live differently. I pray for myself. God, I'm not, not preaching this to everyone else. I'm preaching it to myself as well, to, to trust in the love of Christ, God, that we would ever walk. God, longing to, to please you and satisfy you in all ways. God, bless this word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.